Can I ask you, would you open your Bibles with me to the book of Joshua? I believe God's bringing you into a season of impact and enlarging. A season of impact and enlarging. It's a season of possessing the land. It's a season of going in, of seeing the harvest. Not just praying for a harvest, but actually seeing the harvest coming in. Actually seeing a time of harvesting. I believe that just as God spoke to Joshua, that He's speaking to you today. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. It's a, it's a, it's a well-read scripture. It's often quoted. I felt like God was speaking to you today out of Joshua as you go out, as you possess the land. From chapter 1, the second part of verse 5 says, Just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. Just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. And verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Again, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. I think God's bringing you into a season of impact and of harvest, but He's saying be strong and courageous. Don't shrink back in the time of harvest, but step forward into what He has for you. And I, I love this because to me, it appeals to something of the warrior spirit in me. You know, I, I don't know about you men in the room, but uh, you know, I think yeah, that there's the pictures of the church as the warrior, but also as the bride. And most of us kind of men re- relate a lot better with the warrior picture. Um, you know, it's kind of, I heard someone say like a, a bride with army boots, but I kind of just preferred the whole warrior picture. Um, and you know, often uh, there is the reality of the bride stuff, but I like this because it, it kind of just stirs me up to want to go out. Be strong and courageous. Go possess the land. Go, go take the land that God's sworn to you and to your fathers. I, um, I think often as men, maybe as women as well, we kind of like the army and battle imagery. You know, the, the going into war, the fighting. You know, kind of we, we see our, we, I think we always see ourselves as the champion. I don't know about you, but, you know, it's always kind of like, you know, I've got the sword and the thing, and, oh, it's like, it's awesome. Um, anyone? <laughs> you, yeah? Yeah, maybe it's just me. <laughs> but I think, although we like the battle imagery at times, and it's kind of, you know, it, it stirs us up, we can easily forget that our struggle or our battle is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.12 says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Our battle, even though we get stirred up by that imagery of possessing the land, is not against flesh and blood. It's, it's a spiritual battle. Therefore, our weapons are not natural weapons. They're spiritual weapons. Just as we're hearing about prayer. Our weapons are prayer. Our weapons are worship. Our weapons are spiritual weapons. The Word of God. The name of Jesus. The power of the Spirit. Our weapons are spiritual weapons as we go and possess the land, which is really... It's people's hearts. It's actually extending the rule and reign of Jesus to the people around us. I think one of the most effective weapons we can we can uh, wield as we possess the land is praise and worship. It's praise and worship. Now I, I got to give a, a disclaimer because you might think, oh, he's the guy. He led worship. He's the, you know he's going to do the praise and worship thing. Um, but to, to be honest, um, yeah, and probably when I was growing up, that was kind of my my thing. But to be honest, mo- usually when I, when I travel and when I speak other places, I don't speak around praise, praise and worship. Because it kind of is like the, the obvious. 
Um, but I actually, I mean, I really felt like God kind of lay some things on my heart that would, un- that would be a key for you in possessing the land around praise and worship. So I'm going to be unashamed, unashamed about speaking about praise and worship, even though I'm the, you know, the worship leader. And it's, and it's kind of like what might be expected. So, you know, if we're going to take possession of what God has for us in terms of seeing salvations, in terms of seeing uh, disciples made, people impacted, seeing the kingdom extended in you and through you, then we have to be worshipers. We have to be worshipers. I want to look at a few things tonight of what praise and worship does. Because it's exciting to me to kind of see what this, this weapon that God's given us does in the spiritual realm. I think it's awesome. Firstly, one of the things that praise and worship does is that it brings us into the very presence of God. I love that. Psalm 100, 100 verse 4 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. You know that we, we can't do this thing in our own strength. We can set out the chairs. We can kind of, you know, we can make, make a nice venue and maybe make some nice sounds and um, be friends. But this thing of advancing the kingdom, the rule and reign of Jesus, we can't do in our own strength. You can't heal somebody in your own strength. You can't save somebody in your own strength, no matter how hard you try. I wish I could. I wish that I could save someone in my own strength, but then I kinda, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I can't. Um, but the reality is that we can't do this in our own strength. I think the cry of our hearts needs to be the same as the cry of Moses' heart. In Exodus 33, verse 15, it, Moses says this, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall we know that I have found favor. How shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? That needs to be the cry of our hearts. Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go out to the the, the lost and the broken and the hurting. Because how are they going to know that I found favor in your sight? Except for your presence. Praise and worship, the, 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 the weapon of praise and worship, the key of praise and worship brings us into the very presence of God. The presence of God is the thing that enables us to accomplish what He's called us to. You know, when the the Israelites were crossing the Jordan River in Joshua 3, God told them to send the priests and the Ark of the Covenant, which kind of represented the presence of God. He said, send them out first. And and the the picture that's there is is a river that's in flood. And uh, when the Jordan River was in flood, it was about a mile wide. Imagine that. Uh, that's That's a big flooded river. He says, send the priest and the presence of God first. And as they put their feet in the water, it says the water stopped. It actually backed up a long distance away and they crossed the river on dry ground. Not even on muddy, squishy, kind of, you know, quicksand. It was just dry ground. That's a miracle. That's the presence of God. As they touched it, it stopped. Praise, thanksgiving, releases the presence of God in our lives, and in the circumstances that we're facing. Have you ever faced a problem where you didn't even know how to pray? Yeah, yeah we have some problems where we just, we know, yeah, I'm going to pray about this, I'm going to seek God, but have you ever faced one of those problems where you don't even know how to pray? Someone's dying. You know, there's, you know it, it's, it's such a traumatic thing. It's just like, God, I don't even know how to pray. Well, I don't know... I, I don't even have words to express what's going on right here. 
don't know about you, but I've faced many of those times. And in those times, I think, where we find that we ha- like almost have nothing to give, praise God for who He is. Begin to be thankful for the things that you have, like salvation, His presence, His faithfulness. Not the possessions that we have, but the things that He's given us. Declare His character and His nature in praise and in thanksgiving, and you'll see Him move in that, situa- that situation begin to change. Even when we, we don't have words to express, we just begin to declare His character and nature over a situation. We begin to see His presence released into that thing. Secondly, praise and worship releases the Lord to fight on our behalf. It brings us into the very presence of God, but it releases Him to fight on our behalf. There's a story in, uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 where enemy armies are threatening a guy named Jehoshaphat, which is a really kind of long name. Let's just call him Joe. Um, and he's, he's threatening Jehoshaphat and his people. But in the Bible it says in verse 18, then Jehoshaphat, or Joe, bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord and worshipped the Lord. It doesn't sound like the natural response to being attacked. I don't know about you, but that hasn't always been my first response when the enemies tried to attack me. When people have come against me, it's not kind of like, let's, let's worship the Lord because it's, yeah, we're being attacked. You know, often it's like, ah, oh, be gone, and we, you know, we kind of want to do all this stuff. But they fell on their faces and they worshiped the Lord. Because remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood. See, so, you know, we, we often respond in the natural, and then when the natural doesn't work and everything's exhausted, we go, oh, yeah, oh, I remember. Spiritual. And then we kind of go and we pray. and we, But they, they realized that battle wasn't against flesh and blood. And when it came time for battle, Jehoshaphat, it says, uh, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of His holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, give thanks to the Lord or praise the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. They're going into battle with a bunch of singers who aren't necessarily always the most manly men. Maybe they were wearing skinny jeans. Maybe they sang in a very high voice. You know that key right between where guys and girls can really sing. They were probably those sort of singers, and they were like, you, you know what, guys? You're going to the front. And they were like, no! Because they probably had high voices. <laughs> we don't want to go to the front! But they, they praised the holiness of the Lord... gave thanks to him. He said, for your steadfast love endures forever. That's faith, because if God doesn't show up, you're the singers. You're going to get slaughtered. You're out in the front. They could have sent the armies with the weaponry and the big guys first, but they sent out the worshipers. And verse 22 says this, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. See, praise and worship not only brings us into the presence of God, it also releases God to fight on our behalf. I believe prayer and worship are intrinsically linked. You can't, I don't think you can separate, but both on their own are powerful, but together, when we pray from a place of the presence of God, praising His character and His nature, there's even greater power. And, and, and that story goes on. Actually, I'm gonna, that's my next point. I'm getting so excited that I'm just like, you know when you know a preacher's getting excited when they just start throwing the points out the window and just kind of rolling with it? Point three is that 
Praise and worship confuses the attack of the enemy. Brings us into the very presence of God. It releases God to fight on our behalf, but it also confuses the attack of the enemy. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 23, it says, For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. These were the guys that were coming together against Israel. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped destroy one another. Just think about that for a second. They wiped out the other guys, and then they just helped to destroy each other till there was no one left. That has to be God. It's like, let's go attack these guys. And then the singers come at you. The scrawny guys singing to the Lord, and the Lord confuses the attack of the enemy, and they end up wiping each other out. See, praise and, praise and worship confuses the attack of the enemy. This is supernatural. These were the people who had come against Judah, and as Judah worshipped, they turned against each other and destroyed each other. Four years ago, um, as a church, Life to the Nations, we bought a factory to meet in. I mean, just the, the, the provision of God, it was amazing that we were able to, uh, to purchase something. I mean, it needed some work. Um, it was like a, like a warehouse type place to meet in. Um, the problem was that to meet there, we needed to get a permit from our neighbors, and there was 20 of them. Um, kind of in our in our block of factories. So 20 uh, neighbors needed to say, uh, they didn't need to say we like you, but they just needed to say we don't oppose. And they actually had to do it in writing. The problem was, of the 20 factories, we actually had about 15 objections in writing to us meeting there. And we'd already bought the building and put the money down. So, I mean, it was a big deposit. Uh, and we couldn't get it back. So we were kind of like, well, you know, God, you spoke. Um, we really need you to come through. So um, we were, you know, we were facing, it was a bad situation. It's a lot of money on the line. You know, it was kind of like, this is it. 15 objections out of 20. But we believe that God had spoken, <clears throat> excuse, excuse me, about purchasing, he had spoken about purchasing the property. We needed the permit to meet. So we gathered together to pray and worship. We realized after a while of kind of fighting and trying to talk to people, wait a minute, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Spiritual so we gathered together to pray and worship and we declared the things that God had spoken to us. We declared His character and His nature. We thanked Him for His provision even though we didn't have the permit yet. Even though we weren't there. Um, the next week, the next week, one of the factory owners who had originally objected to us decided to withdraw his objection. We went, well, you know, one, that's a start. That's awesome. But not only that, he miraculously decided that he liked us all of a sudden and that he was going to go talk to all the other factory owners and get them to withdraw their objections. I kind of, I was talking to him and he was, he was a little Italian fella and uh, I went, well, we'll see how this goes. And within a week, he had every single objection withdrawn. God changed his heart. He just, and there was no reason. There was no, re- no reason except that we prayed and worshipped and we released God to move on our behalf and God just changed his heart. He just withdrew it and we just went, don't worry, I decided I like you guys. Those were his words. I've decided I like you. I was like, why? Joe, why? His name was Joe. And he's like, I don't know. I'll, don't worry, I'll get it sorted out. They, with, they all withdrew their objections and we had a permit a week later. Miraculous. Miraculous. There's no other reason for that to turn around except for God working our, on our behalf. 
Praise and worship brings us into the presence of God. It releases the Lord to fight on our behalf. It confuses the attack of the enemy. And fourthly, praise and worship brings breakthrough and it brings deliverance. See, when the Israelites came to Jericho in Joshua chapter 6, again, they placed the worshipers at the front. And it says, with a shout of praise, the walls of Jericho came down. And I think like the walls of Jericho, worship breaks down our walls of opposition. Psalm 23, oh, thank you. Psalm 23 verse 7 says, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall, you shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Wow. Yeah, I think singing has been designed to bring about the birthing of breakthrough. The breakthrough that you need at any given moment. I think that there's just something about singing. Something about what happens. And I can't explain it. I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I just think there's something there that as we praise God, it's, it's designed, it's God's key to bring about breakthrough. Can I ask, what, what are some of the walls that you're facing right now? In your life, in your business, in your work, in your family, as a church? What are some of the walls that you need God to break down? What are some of the things that God's spoken over you that you haven't seen come to fruition yet? As individuals, as a church, what are some of the things that God's declared that you haven't seen the fullness of that happen yet? What are the areas you need breakthrough in? Fifthly, praise and worship brings life where there's been barrenness. I love this, this scripture. Isaiah 54 verse 1 says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You know, barrenness is a closing up or a stopping of something that is meant to be open. It can be natural barrenness, but there's spiritual barrenness, there's barrenness in many areas. It's a closing up or a stopping up of something that's meant to be open. And it's not just, just speaking of this of the, in, in the natural. There's, this is speaking into the spiritual in our lives as well. And praise and worship brings new life. It brings new life. It releases life. It opens up that which has been closed. It brings salvations. It unstops the wells in people's lives. It releases joy. It allows the river of God to begin to flow again. Praise and worship brings breakthrough, but it also brings life where there's been barrenness. It's one of the weapons of our warfare. It brings us into the presence of God. Praise and worship releases the Lord to fight on our behalf. It confuses the attack of the enemy. It brings breakthrough and deliverance and it brings new life. But for it to be effective, for praise and worship to be effective, for it to accomplish what we've seen that it can do, we have to do it. You thought I was going to have a really profound thing there, but... For it to be effective, we have, we have to actually participate in it. See, too often we have this idea that praise and worship is the worship team's job. That's why we call them the worship team. You're the worship team, worship, we do the other stuff. No, I mean, you guys, are, you guys, you know, we had a great time of, of praise and you guys are entering in and that's cool. I kind of feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Um, but, you know, it, it's good for us to grasp this. You know, even that name worship team makes it sound like they're worship. We call our worship team a music team. 
because really what they're doing is leading us in music so that all of us can worship. See, they're not the worshipers. We're all worshipers. We're all called to worship. So for this to, to, to have the power in your life, you have to do it. You can't stand and watch Mark do it. He's going to be having power in his life, but not power in yours. You know, I, I think, and this is why I started by saying, you know, often uh, the battle imagery stirs us as men. Because I think as men, often in our culture, it's not really cool to sing in front of other men um, or to be expressive in worship. I don't know about your culture, but definitely as, as Aussies and Australian culture, men don't stand around singing in front of one another. Hello, how are you? My name is Matthew. Yeah, it's kind of frowned upon. I mean, the... The only time we tend to sing in front of other men is at the football when they, when they do the national anthem. And that's a bit of a mumbling singing. And uh, you guys do the anthem a lot um, stronger than we do. You guys kind of mumble through it. Or maybe at the pub. Um, men will sing you know, at a certain time. But we tend to often in church leave the singing up to the ladies. Kind of let's leave it up to the ladies. And the problem is Praise and worship has to be expressed for it to be praise and worship. Have you ever heard uh, someone say, and I've heard this a lot over my years of leading a church and, and leading worship, I've heard people say, um, I just worship in my heart. You know, like, I, I just worship in my heart. It's just the kind of thing with me and, uh, and God. And, but if, it's, if, if, if praise is not actually expressed, it's not actually praise. So I, I'm married, I love my wife, but I actually need to tell her that I love her. I can't say, you know what? When we got married, I, I said, yes, I do. I love you. And uh, if anything changes, I'll tell you later. No, no. I need to express my love to her. If I'm going to praise my son, I can't just kind of think in my heart, he's a good kid. It's all right, Hugo. I'm praising you in my heart. No, no. Our kids won't take that. The reality is unless praise is expressed, it's not actually praise. It's just a thought that we have. Praise and worship has to be expressed. And I just want to throw out a, a few things, a few ways that the Bible says that we can express our praise and worship. These are things that you probably know. It's probably not a new thing to you, but hopefully God will speak to you in it. But I know for all of us, and even for me, it's good. Uh, you know, I need to be reminded of this at times. Because uh, even though I get the privilege of leading people in praise and worship and the, the privilege of standing up and playing music, at, you know, at times I forget some of this. At times, you know, I fall into that, you know, I forget that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual, and so I kind of fall into that, that thing of, I'm just going to try everything else before I pray or before I praise. So the Bible says in Psalms uh, 92, verse 6, Sing to the Lord, praise His name, proclaim His salvation day after day. You know, can I, can I just put this out, that you don't have to be a good singer to praise God. I think it's lucky that God's not a judge on American Idol. It's both Psalm 98 and Psalm, so, yeah, Psalm 98 and Psalm 100 both say make a joyful noise to the Lord. The only requirement is that it's joyful and that there's a noise. It's kind of up to you. Something's got to come out. It can be like, ah, or it can be beautiful in your, you know, as, however you define that. It just needs to be joyful and it needs to be a noise to be praised. Something has to come out of our mouths. 
It also says that it's an everyday activity. Praise and worship isn't reserved just for the music team, and it's also not only reserved, I was going to say for a Sunday, but we're, we're meeting on a Saturday. For a Saturday night. It's not just a worship team thing, and it's not a music team, and it's not just a Saturday night thing. It's an everyday thing. So we need to, we should be praising God, it says, day after day. I love it. So to walk into all that God's purposed for us, praise and worship needs to become a lifestyle, not just an event. Joyful and a noise. Isaiah 12, verse 6 says, Shout aloud and sing for joy. Sometimes our noise becomes a shout, which is cool. There's times where our worship can be quiet and intimate. We can kind of, it's just, you know, it's just really mellow. And there's times where we have to raise a shout. We have to maybe get a little sweaty. There's times where we need to get loud and stop holding back and let it out. And let our noise become a shout. Psalm 47 verse 1 says, Clap your hands, shout aloud to God with cries of joy. This is one of those things I think that, that most of us can do without it being too embarrassing. It's pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty acceptable. Kind of grown up clapping. Uh, most of us are kind of good with the clapping thing. Hopefully. If you struggle with, the, with your expression and praise and worship, this is a good place to start. Start with the clapping. If you're not comfortable with the uh, shouting or the lifting of hands or all the other stuff, you start with the clapping and let God work with us. Psalm 134 verse 2 says that we are to lift our hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. And this is, it's not just lifting our hands, but it's an attitude of surrender. It's an attitude of, of surrender that's expressed when we lift our hands and worship. And what we're saying is this, Lord, I surrender my life. I surrender this situation. I surrender my family, this breakthrough to you. Lord, have your way. Not, Lord, have my way. Lord, do my things. It's I surrender, have your way. You be in control. Psalm 149, verse 3 says, Let them praise His name with dancing. Uh-oh. Yeah, okay. This is usually where the line's drawn in our culture. I can do the clapping thing. Maybe I can do the hand-lifting thing. But the dancing thing, that's not for me. I don't dance. You know, you, you kind of have that, like... I don't dance. I kind of maybe do this. A bit of this. This is my dance. But we're called not just to our own culture, but to a kingdom culture. We can't just sit back to, you know, a lot of cultures, dancing is just part of everything that they do. Not really ours. But we're not called to just reflect our own culture. We're called to reflect the kingdom. So I think when we understand that all we have is because of Jesus, and that all that He's done is for us and the, the victory and the identity and the relationship that's restored, there has to be a response of joy and thanksgiving. And I don't know about you, but that, that, that response it begins to well up inside of me and, and I can't keep from moving. And I don't move gracefully. And I, you know, I'm not a dancer and it does look awkward. But for me, it's like I see it and as I understand what Jesus has done for me, I can't help but move. It's got to come out somehow. It doesn't come out in the best you know, the best sound always. It doesn't come out in a graceful motion, but it's got to come out. I've never been a great mover or dancer, but when I'm worshiping Jesus, I can't help but jump. That's kind of the, that's the extent of my skills. Because <laughs> I'm overwhelmed by Jesus' sacrifice for me. If I could fly, I'd fly. If I could jump higher, I would. 
And praise and worship is one of the weapons of our warfare. It has to be a day-to-day expression because we're in a day-to-day battle. Are you a worshiper? Do you express praise and worship? First Chronicles 15.29 When David brought the, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. Hey, buddy, see? Alright, we got an example. Real life example. It's going for it. David brings the very the presence of God into the city. He, he's the leader of the nation. It says he was dancing and celebrating. Despite his position, despite his status, despite the public setting, despite the, uh, the, the, um, despite all the stuff, he modeled something of extravagant praise and worship to the point that he was called undignified. Can I say this? Can I ask this? Dads, are you modeling praise and worship in your families? Kids naturally look to their, pra- their parents for approval and they naturally follow their example. What are you teaching your kids with what you're modeling? See, you're mo- you are modeling something. You're either modeling a biblical approach to praise and worship, you're modeling what God said we should do and we can walk in, or you're modeling something that's not biblical. And they will follow you. I want my son to grow up to be a worshiper and to be extravagant in his expressions of praise and worship and love and thankfulness to Jesus. I'm willing to look silly in my eyes to model something. We often put music on at home. He comes up with it with my iPhone. And he's found the music and he says, music, music. And he just wants to dance. And you know, it's always when I don't feel like dancing. I'm like, oh, it's a long day. He's like, dance, dance. He just wants to dance. And you know, I, I realized I can either get up and dance or I can be like, oh, you know, we don't do that. Sit down, too tired. But I'm modeling something. Because when we dance at home, when we get to church, he dances at church. We've started sending uh, some of our worship leaders up to our, our kids' ministry, which is awesome. We have an upstairs thing. And uh, they, they spend a whole, a whole term um, teaching about praise and worship out of some of the songs that we sing. And what's, what I found amazing is that when we sent worship leaders up there to lead them in worship, the next Sunday, they were all out the front dancing and, and modeling what they, uh, sorry, um, expressing what they'd seen modeled. And they keep coming up. It's just, you know, to me, it, it, it's not worth holding back from my embarrassment and robbing the next generation. Even if I don't feel like it, and you know, maybe you're like, yeah, I am, I'm expressive, I'm, I'm cool with that. Well, then go for it. But even if you're not, even if you feel uncomfortable, think about those that are coming after us. And let them stand on our shoulders in a sense. I believe that God's calling you. And this is why, why I... I preached this, and I know it's not, you know, this isn't the most profound message. It's probably something that you've heard before, but I feel like God's calling Impact Rock Church to new heights, to take new ground, to a greater season of impact. But to walk into that, you have to be, you're going to have to be a praising and worshiping people. To walk into what God's opening up for you, you're going to have to be fathers and mothers who model praise and worship to your kids. 
going to have to be people who are unashamed to be extravagant even though the street can see you. I can just see pictures of people standing outside these windows looking in and going, what is going on? I've got to be in on that. I love it. I love that the street walks by here. That's awesome. Can I ask, would you stand with me? Would you close your eyes? It's not that it's, uh, it's any more spiritual. To keep you from being distracted, keep you from, uh, from kind of worrying what's going on around you, because I want this moment to be between you and God. You know, as we've been talking about praise and worship, we worship a King Jesus. The Bible says He's seated on the throne of heaven. But Jesus died for you. Jesus sacrificed. He paid the price for the things that we've done wrong. The Bible calls it sin. The wrong things we've done. The things that we shouldn't have done. And every one of us has, have done things that we shouldn't have done. What we deserve is death. What we deserve is to be separated from God. But God loved us so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to pay the price for us so that we can be restored to relationship with Him. So that we can live with purpose. So that we can spend eternity with Him. Before I move on this, uh, this afternoon, I don't know everyone here. I don't know where you're at with God. But if you haven't asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to ask if you would just lift your hand up really high because I would love to pray with you. And I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. That's where our praise and worship starts. In this moment right now. It's going to wait a minute. Thank you, Lord. If your heart's beating, you got that kind of feeling in your stomach like, oh, wow, you know, I'm really nervous. Because God's working. That's, that's the presence of God. He wants, you to, he wants you to respond to Him. I'm not going to keep going on, but uh, if you need to respond... And come and talk to me. For the rest of us, <clears throat> are we willing to respond to what Jesus is speaking to us today? Even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's embarrassing, even though at times we might look like fools, are we willing to respond and take up that weapon that God's given us? Take up that praise and worship. Be extravagant in our praise to our King and allow Him to move in, move in us and through us. Lord, I thank You, Lord, for Impact Rock Church. Lord, I thank You, Lord, for the impact that they're having in Erie, Lord. I thank You for Mark and Carol, Lord. Would You bless them? Would You enlarge them, Lord? Lord, would You, uh, would you anoint them, Lord? Lord, would they see uh, even more fruit, Lord? But not just Mark and Carol, Lord, but every single person, Lord, that, that is a part of this church. Lord, would You anoint them, Lord. Lord, would this be known as a worshiping church. Lord, would people come from far and wide, Lord, because of this church's worship. Lord, would this community and this city be impacted, Lord, because of their worship and their praise. Lord, new levels, new heights. Lord, new climbing shoes. Lord, we speak that out in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Amen. Amen.